Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Launching a book isn't easy, but it can also launch you into a whole new life. What's important now is that I am a best-selling author and that's awesome. I found my soul on this journey. I found my purpose, you know, in life. In this show, I talk to authors about how they launched and how it took them to the next level. Hi there. Welcome to episode 316 of Launchpad Podcast, where I, your host, Anna David, talk to other writers about their best tips for launching a book, as well as what books can do for your career. Uh, this, uh, before I forget, the show notes uh, are can be found at launchpadpub.com slash blog slash Pollock, P-O-L-L. A-C-K. And the reason that is your handy URL is that this is an interview with Neil Pollock, an old friend of mine who has gone by the moniker, the greatest living American writer, somewhat tongue in cheek, sort of it's a character. <clears throat> Read his books, you'll figure it out. Uh, he's the author of 11 books of fiction and nonfiction. And, and actually, he had an essay in a book of mine called Reality Matters. And he and I both had essays in an anthology called My first novel. But he has done way more than that. He's a Jeopardy champion, certified yoga instructor, and his latest book, Pothead, covers his journey from drug-addled literary sensation to sober Austin dad. Now, about this literary sensation thing, his first book was published by Dave Eggers, and it got reviewed in the New York Times, and it got everywhere. And then since then, these other 10 books have traveled the gamut in terms of how they've been published. He's published directly with Amazon Publishing. He's published on his own. Um, he's somehow made some of these into albums. Like he's he's really done it all. And uh, this latest book covers all of that. So if you would like a link to the book uh, and transcript and all of that, you know, go get the show notes. And with that, I'm going to give you Neil Pollock. Here we go. So yes, you... <laughs> I love that you just said you've had every kind of publishing experience because you've also written every kind of book in a way, except a book of poetry. Oh, I wrote a book of poetry. You did it. Well, I, yeah, but it didn't get published as a book. It ended up getting put out as a spoken word album uh, as part of my, uh, my first audio book. So, so even though I didn't have pub, poetry published, I didn't have it published in English. I did have poetry published in Dutch. That, That's that, true, too. Yes. It's hard to know when you're talking to a humorist what's true, especially when it's something that when when one of them says my Dutch poetry was published. Yeah, I I, I was in fact, and this story is in my my new book, uh, Pothead. uh, I was the American representative to the National Poetry Day of Holland uh, back in some some year in the aughts of 2004 or 2002. And, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of, it was Amsterdam, so I did a lot of drugs and uh, really embarrassed myself and my country. And, uh, yeah, and so, so no, so I'm, I'm a published poet as well. 
let's talk about your career because I find it fascinating. And one could say that you were hip to this idea of what one needed to do to launch a book successfully way before the rest of us. Uh, I think, um, I think you're very savvy in addition to being a great talent. Um, so your first book, let's talk about that. That was originally, um, associated with McSweeney's published by McSweeney's. So this is called the Neil Pollock anthology of American literature. Let's talk about that. Yeah, that was, um, well, I had this character who I still publish under occasionally called the greatest living American writer. And, uh, he, he was launched, uh, on the McSweeney's website, well, in the first issue of the print journal of McSweeney's, and then on the McSweeney's website in the late 90s, and then Dave Eggers wanted to start a publishing company, and I was still uh, on speaking terms with him back then, and um, we, I don't remember if he offered it, or if I said, let's do it, or we just kind of came together and decided to make this book, and, and uh, regardless, the anthology came out in the fall of 2000, so basically 20 years ago, um, and uh, you know, and, and Eggers was and is you know a marketing genius, and uh, got this book so he helped get this book so much attention, and you know, it was full page review in the New York Times, um, and a you know excerpt in Men's Journal, and all and hype that. Um, your average author will never receive and could never dream of receiving. But it, and it was all very independently done. And so what did he do? He called in favors? Was it the way he, was it who he was or how he approached it or both? Yeah, I mean, that was the height of his coolness, right? Uh, I mean, obviously he's still extremely prominent and like, you know, can, can pick up the phone and get Barack, Barack Obama to answer. And be like, you know, there's nothing he can't pull off. But that was, you know, McSweeney's was super hip. At the, it was like the toast of New York. Um, at, at that time. And so like anything involving McSweeney's was, was in the game. And I was the first writer to come out of that stable after him. So uh, I got very lucky, you know, this was not an ordinary book launch and it was not an ordinary situation. It can't be replicated. Uh, the success of McSweeney's is, it was, it wasn't pre-internet, but it was like pre-social media and, it can't, you know, and it, and it was, the literary world was very different back then. It, it cannot be duplicated. So whatever I did to, you know, get my wedge into the literary world is, 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 will never be repeated. Except you did it. They don't I take did. you out of the literary world or did they well, revoke your membership? I've, I've come and gone over the years. <laughs> I, it's not like I, it's not like I, you know, I, I arrived and then I just, kept on rising, you know, it's not exactly how it works. Um, and, and then like, and then I don't know if part of that story is then the paperback of the anthology, I then sold it to Harper Collins, which couldn't be any more different than independent publishing. And so they published this paperback edition, an expanded paperback edition, you know, because they were trying to like cashed in on the McSweeney's craze. And so they're like, oh, Neil Pollock's hip and cool. So we'll publish him. And they did a great job, and they put out this crazy, like, four-volume spoken word set. Like I was saying, I, I did the spoken word poetry. I recorded an album with Bloodshot Records that they put into it. I did a Q&A, like a long Q&A with John Hodgman before he was who he was. You know, um, it's a, you know, it's a very rare. I think it's still available on Amazon. I don't freaking know. Um, but, uh, you know, it... Uh, it uh, 
how should I say it? It, it? Again, it was like a unique phenomenon. Okay, but then when we're experiencing a unique phenomenon, do we know it's a unique ph- phenomenon? Or were you like, this is just my life. This is what it's going to be like to be me. Well, it was kind of both, right? Because I, um, it was my life. And, but I don't know. I was, it's, it's hard to say because I was kind of, you know, I was doing a lot of drugs. So yeah. I wasn't, um, and I was kind of caught up in the hype of myself. So I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. You know, I just, I just kind of, I was, all I know is that I was like the toast of the town and I was touring all over the world and I was, I was on these big stages and I was like, I was opening for They Might Be Giants at the Bowery Ballroom in New York. Uh, I toured Europe with David Byrne. You know, this is all McSweeney's. This wasn't because like, uh, you know, because like the, you know, festival organizers in Belgium were like, well, we must get Neil Pollock. He's going to draw thousands, you know, but I, but I did all that stuff and I was, you know, on the stage with Eggers and with Zadie Smith and with Sarah Vowell and with all these musical acts, big time musical acts who were like part of Eggers' circle back then. And it was wild. It was absolutely crazy. And yet your biggest book came later. Wasn't Alternidad your biggest book? Alternidad wasn't my best selling book. Interesting. Okay. So what, nothing compared to this first one. In terms of the hype, but not in terms of the sales. In terms of the sales, the my some of my novels that I published later on Amazon with Amazon Publishing, not just self-published, sold much more. Sold two, three times the copies uh, of these other books that I was selling. You know, they were being sold. You know, on these like Amazon bundles for like ninety-nine cents, a dollar ninety-nine, or as part of like this, you know, unli- Kindle Unlimited stuff. You know, so it's, you know, I got a small advance for a bunch of books and I wrote a bunch of, this is later, this is years later. Yeah, yeah. we're skipping. So those books sold better, but they got, but they were not because it was Amazon and Amazon is widely reviled by the literary elite. Um, They were not reviewed, largely ignored. They were, some of them were reviewed some places, but they were, they were ignored. They weren't, they didn't get, you know, the, the Times wouldn't review them because they were published by Amazon. You know, they wouldn't touch anything related to Amazon publishing. You know, right. the one I did a book about, like a sort of a Jewish history alternative fiction novel about Jewish basketball players that got some Jewish press. Um, I wrote some yoga detective books that got some press, like some, you know, some some of the hippie press, but not a lot. You know, but those books, some of those books sold better. And Alternidad, um, well. You mind if I direct? Because after the anthology came out, then I did like some kind of weird independent publishing project with my buddy Ben out of his garage in Austin, where I, I, I revived the greatest living American writer, and we did a book of like fake war reporting about the Iraq War and nine eleven um, stuff I'd published in papers and stuff, and that you know that was like so indie that we had to we we stuffed the envelopes and mailed it out ourselves, and I don't I don't. I have a bunch of them here at the house, but I don't think they're available anywhere else. And then, but after that, I published another novel with Harper Collins called "Nevermind the Pollocks." I don't know if you remember that one or not. But that was oh, like I a, do. That was a book about punk rock and like making fun of rock critics, and it it sold a few thousand copies. But it like yeah, a very li- limited audience, right? But they, you know, but but I got a big advance for that book, a six figure advance. I'll admit it. You know, okay, six, wait, since, since we're talking numbers, this is fun. Did you, get, did you get money for the first book? I mean, when HarperCollins did the paperback, you did. Like, let's talk numbers. All right, fine. I got five figures from HarperCollins, low mm-hmm. five figures. 
you know, it was mm-hmm. a reprint. Um, it wasn't, you know, but it, but it was money, you know, and I got, money. Thing, you know, and I got money from McSweeney's. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but McSweeney's and money is, a, is an odd topic. Like you don't know if it was, I don't know if it was money I earned or Edgar's just wanted to you know, send me money to keep me quiet or, or, or some combination of the two. Um, but then, you know, but then never mind the Pollocks, they gave me way more money than that book was ever going to earn back, you know? And, you know, I say six figures. It was low, you know, it wasn't like six figures, like it was low six figures. In the it wasn't $999,999. No, no, but, you know, but it was like, it was a nice, it was a good base income <laughs> for a writer um, for two or three years, that's for sure. And, um, you know, for a book that sold 4,000 copies, you know, I, I think that that's maybe why I'm having so much trouble making money off my books now, you know, because it's like, well, this guy is a big money loser. It wasn't my fault. I just took, you know, my, my, um, my agent was just very savvy in getting me the advance. Right. so I took it. Um, and then, you know, then I did all this crazy stuff. Like I formed a punk rock band and I put out an album on an indie rock label and I toured that and I, and I got Harper Collins to pay for my rock tour. You know, nice. they, didn't pay, they didn't pay my musicians, but they paid for the, you know, the, the van and other, you know, very, it was a lot of work, but like it was, I didn't go, I didn't lose money touring an unknown band around the country. Right. And, but it, it didn't sell books. It was right. just this, this kind of weird drug fueled gonzo adventure that I went on. And then, you know, after that, then came Alternidad, uh, which, which again, I got a nice advance for because that was, that was a, a book with, with actual like mainstream potential, you know, it was like 2004, 2005, Gen X was starting to reproduce. And there was this sort of, I don't know if you remember hipster parenting. Mm, you coined, you created it basically. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, label, I labeled it. What, I mean, I wasn't the only person doing it. Uh, you know, there was that website Babel. Um, oh yeah. You know, and there were other, you know, there were other hipster parenting kind of cultural brands going on at the time. Uh, but it was like basically like, you know, middle to upper middle class, white Gen X parenting, right. which, is what, which is what I was, let's face it. And um, yeah, and so that book, so, I, so that was a very, um, and it was like, a, you know, and I had my point of view, which is that I wasn't going to give up being cool to be a dad and I was going to keep like partying and like doing my crazy stuff and, you know, and I was going to raise the cool kid and. So it sold, um, and then it was I sold it, but I but I didn't sell it. To, I sell it to a different publisher. I published with Pantheon, which is like the the house that publishes Toni Morrison and you know like other lofty literary figures. And it was just kind of a bad match in a way because I don't think they they did a nice job editing it and pa- packaging it, especially the paperback. But um, I don't think they, they were never really behind it. You know they didn't. You know and I, and also like I was I was like. I was doing a lot of drugs and I was, I was confused and I had, I was, I wasn't like thinking clearly and I was trying to start my own alternative parenting empire. Like I had a website that I was doing called offsprung where I was trying to publish all these blogs and I just lost focus and it didn't sell as, and even though the reviews were, were pretty good, didn't sell that well. Hmm. And, and um, uh, yeah. And from there it's then from, from there, it's been kind of like a money-wise, at least, kind of a downward slope. Well, but don't you think that's just the nature of publishing? I was going to say, how has how has publishing changed over the last twenty years? And I would say the main thing is that they don't give out 
advances to anybody but people with a lot of Instagram followers? I don't know. Is that what you think? People with a lot of Instagram followers are the modern version of me 20 years ago. People still are getting big advances from publishing houses. I think. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, right. But, I'm, but I, you hear there's still all this like literary envy on Twitter. So I'm assuming they're, en- they're not envious of me, but they're envious of, of someone. Um, there are still people who are playing the game, the, as, as Terry Southern used to call it, the quality lit game. And there are people mm. who are still playing it and who are still winning and are still like have their sinecure. You know, it's like there's always like just a few people at the top, you know. Right. And it even did- when, I say, and I, when I say at the top, this is like the indie top. I'm not talking about like James Patterson's and Stephen King's and the actually successful writers as opposed right. to the hipster ones who like, you know, have to are playing the game instead of just succeeding. But okay, so someone like me, my first book deal in 2004, I got $50,000 for a novel. I had no real following because that didn't even exist. That couldn't happen today, I don't think, to a random good writer. Could. Could, but it was was not surprising that it happened to me. It was like supposed to. It was happening to people all around me. You know, my advance was very low compared to a lot of the people I knew. Yeah, there was... um there was just more money available for that kind of thing. There was less, um, you know, there was no TikTok. <laughs> you know, there, there, there were YouTube celebrities. So, like, you know, there was people were still reading to some extent or reading about reading. Right. Um, you know, yeah, maybe. But there's, there are still people who are, who are getting that money. So. We, we just don't know them anymore because we're, we're, you know, we're like, we're we're off. We've already been recycled. We well, we we're, found. We're, 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 al- say something remainder. depressing. Go on. We're, sorry, we're the remainder bin. It's okay. It's okay. I, I'm, I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, you could say all my books went right to the remainder. I was the remainder bin as I was coming up. Mm-hmm. So, but this Here's is my. Midlist, they say. Midlist. I remember someone saying that to me before my first book came out, and I was like, "That I feel so bad for that person who's a midlist author." Like, I actually don't think my books hit the middle of the list. Like most of them. You'd be really, surprised how 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 little it takes to get to the yeah. middle of the list because the bottom um, of the list sells nothing, and then the top of the list sells a lot. So they're all in the middle. Well, this is what I've learned. I've learned that that uh, I was not happy, nor was I making much money as a writer, but that you can be, well, what's happy? Today, it's really hard to know. But but you can make significant money from being a writer. So that is what a lot of the clients hire my company for. And that's what I'm always preaching because I was, you know, six book deals in broke, broke. Yeah. Um. Well, my current approach is that I continue to write books because it is my kind of it's the core skill set I have that other pe- that the majority of people don't. Like I can put a book a, a, when I when I can when I have the right idea, I can put a coherent narrative together within a few months. Like I can have a publishable book ready when it's time. Um, that's not something everyone can do. So I still do that. But in addition to that, like I you know I'm just I don't know like I'm not. I'm not feeling super entrepreneurial these days. I, I am the editor of a pop culture website that does sort of book and literary uh, criticism and also TV and film. It's called Book and Film Globe. 
and I'm like a salaried employee of this company that does these microblogs. And I, you know, I enjoy it. It gives me something to do every day. And it allows me to sort of have a voice and work with other writers um, and get a weekly income that I, you know, and it's, again, like, am I making a fortune doing microblogging? No, but I am working. I'm a working writer because I have a journalism background too. So I'm able to sort of put that into play. Um, and then on top of that, I have whatever book money comes in, which isn't much, but it's something. And then I have, um, you know, freelance writing, the greatest living American writer still pops up every now and then, or like I have occasional other side gigs and, uh, you know, I, I am, I'm content with that. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not, I was very busy trying to get rich and famous for many years and I wasn't very happy, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, obviously the world is a shit pile right now. Um, but if you look at my individual situation, I'm sober. I'm, you know, steadily. I, I at the moment have a job, which is a lot more than a lot of people can say. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel pretty, um, pretty in control of my life. And uh, I wouldn't trade that for, I mean, I had, I had a lot of fun during the height, but it was also pretty chaotic. Yeah. So let's talk about the sobriety and the new book, which is about that. Yes. When, okay. And when you, you said a few times, like I was doing a lot of drugs, I was doing a lot of drugs, but wasn't it just pot? Not that pot's not, was it a lot of drugs or was it just pot? Uh, well, it was mostly weed. I mean, occasionally I'd like take a pill if someone gave it to me or like do some kind of random hallucinogen. But I was, yeah, I wasn't like doing hard, you know, coke, maybe coke a couple of times. I don't know. But I wasn't doing like hard drugs. You know, I was just, I would, but, but you know, marijuana is pretty powerful, especially when you're doing it in, in the quantities that I was, I wasn't just smoking a joint a couple times a week before bed. I was like, I was mainlining it. I had a vaporizer at my desk and I was constantly stoned. And then it, as it started to legalize, I was, I was eating it in vast quantities in very different forms. I was drinking it. I was vaping it, uh, smoking it. And so I was, I was zonked. You know, yeah. if, if, if somebody had said, like, I had a bottle of wine by my desk and I was just guzzling it all day while I worked, you'd be like, well, that person's like, oh, I was an alcoholic. You know, there's no yeah. doubt about it. So, so just because like weed has a better reputation and is supposedly like cool and mellow and a health food doesn't mean it's not addictive. So, you know, and, and then it just kind of progressed. Like it was, it was constant and it was never, it was unchecked. And it just, you know, it led me to like, I made some bad decisions. I just, I, you know, I just had a lot. I, I got into fights with people sometimes when I was wasted. Um, I'd have these big public meltdowns intermittently. Most of the time it was fine and cool and I was just chilling out watching movies. And then occasionally I would have these crazy uh, blowups, all of which is in the new book. And so, um, you know, it, it, it just got in my way. And I think, I, 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 I certainly think that, you know, when, when we met, I was living in LA trying to make it in the TV and movie business. And I'm sure, I mean, there were other problems, other reasons why it didn't happen, but I'm sure it got in the way. So mm-hmm. I was doing a lot and missing meetings occasionally or like going to meetings high and, or just like not working intelligently, you know, or so, um, yeah. So, uh, so I don't know. I had, 
I, I kind of reached a low point in 2017. My mother died unexpectedly and suddenly and horribly, and I witnessed it happen. And, uh, you know, and, and then I went on a, just a crazy drug and gambling spiral for months and months and months. And it, and it culminated with me having a huge public meltdown at the World Series of all places in Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. I don't know about this. I don't, yeah. Well, it's all, again, it's story. In the book. It's in the book. Guys, get the book. In the book. But uh, yeah, there's like huge, well, I bought a ticket online to a, one of the Dodger World Series games in 2017 and it was turned out to be fraudulent and like I had, I, I got, I got, had a huge meltdown at the gate and like I was surrounded by security guards. I mean, if I hadn't been white, I almost certainly would have gone to jail, you know, given how I was behaving. Um, even so, I was like, my eyes were like big and red and I was sobbing and I like had, had a big bushy beard and I looked like a crazy, I mean, I looked like an absolute lunatic and I was just, just for hours, just wandered the grounds of Dodger Stadium, blasted out of my mind on drugs, crying and screaming at people and, you know, it was, it was freaking ugly. And, by yourself, uh, just so I can get a visual. I was by, by myself. Okay. I was, yeah, okay. no one. I mean, I was calling. You know, I was like ranting about it on. Fa- I mean, a big meltdown on Facebook, and I was calling this attorney friend of mine in LA and screaming at him. And you know, I was calling my wife and screaming at her. And I was just, it was, it was. I mean, there were other things going on other than drugs. Like obviously, I hadn't been dealing with grief properly, and you know, but. uh I wouldn't, that wasn't the last time I got high, but it was the low point. And then like about God, two or three weeks later, I quit and I entered mm-hmm. recovery and I entered recovery. Mm-hmm. And, and does that mean 12 step? What does that yeah, mean? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I did. I mean, I got a therapist mm-hmm. who specializes in recovery issues, like a dedicated therapist for that. Mm-hmm. And that certainly helped. But yeah, you know, I, I have a lot of, you know, I, you know, well, you know, the, um, pitfalls and, and the benefits of 12-stepping as well as anyone. Um, but, you know, it was helpful to me because, it, you know, it gave me a framework for um, kind of dealing with my character defects. Defects, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and also like really coming to terms with who I needed to uh, apologize to and why um, and what I needed to do to live my life with more integrity. Um, that doesn't mean my life has been any less, you know, kind of random and weird since then, but it has been a little steadier, maybe a little mm-hmm. less. And so the book is, is you know, it, it, a lot of the stuff we've already talked about is in the book, sort of the highs and the lows and the, and the crazy drug fueled rampages. Um, and then, and then the recovery too. And then, you know, and I found that you know, my, then my father passed away. Nah, a little bit over a year after my mother did, which is his, his death was more drawn out, more sort of, um, I don't know, more normal. If, if there is such a thing as normal as death, but you know, he was sick for a long time and then he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to, in this sort of his final year, be a responsible child to him and a responsible sibling to my sisters and to be more of a support for my extended family. Whereas when my mother died, I was just this insane baby mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. late 40s baby and you know when my father died I was able to like you know be more of a grown-up about it and then mm-hmm. um you know it was a long time coming and so yeah so so that's all in the book which is published by Central Recovery Press uh, out of Las Vegas um they were uh, I we submitted it to mainstream publishers but my track record was poor and I 
sales wise and I, you know, I had spent years getting published by Amazon and I'm sure that didn't help. And also like saying Amazon publicly saying that I thought Amazon publishing was good. Mm. They didn't like well, that. I don't think. Okay. So that was, cause that was going to be my question. When Neil Pollock decides he's got a new book in him, what he calls his agent. Like, what do you, what do you, you've had so many different experiences in yeah. this publishing. Game. Well, my, you know, now things are, yes, I had an agent and then he suggested, and he suggested that I self publish a novel and I did. And then he got me into, you know, with Amazon publishing offered me this deal, but he wasn't like, they weren't negotiating and they had their terms and that was it. And then I just feel like he just kind of like, I don't know, the relationship with him just kind of, it deteriorated, not like terribly. It just kind of faded away. And so I hired a new guy. Um, and yeah, he, he sent my manuscript to, you know, I, I tried one version of the manuscript that didn't work. And then, you know, then I, then I, I published an article in the New York times um, about marijuana addiction and that like perked up some ears and then we sent it around. Um, you know, I, so with my new agent and it's a more normal, like agent author relationship, you know, I send him things, he gives me editorial suggestions, he comes up with some marketing ideas, you know, work, you know, it's, it's normal. It's actually mm -hmm. a totally normal relationship. And, uh, you know, and then, um, did I, was this a huge publishing deal? No, but it was a, like, it felt it was a normal process and I appreciated the normality of it. Right. And I agree, right. And, I agree, and I, you know, and Central Recovery Press definitely like focuses on, you know, 12 step books, recovery books. They're not like, I'm not like the most logical fit for them, but you know, it's been, I, it's, it's, it's felt, it's like been the most normal process, publishing process I've had in a long time. Wow. I know when you told me that you, cause I know them, you, it just made me go thumbs up to them. That's a very smart move as opposed to like loving someone in recovery and like the other books that they do. Um, well, you know, I, I, what I have found is that there are a lot of former Gen X party people who are now in recovery, you know, cause we're middle-aged. So when you become yeah. middle if you, either you either you drive off the cliff or you slam on the brakes before you drive off the cliff, and uh, there are some people in that world who remembered me from when I was cool. Um, the uh, ed, the guy who edited the book is this, uh, I've never met him. I don't think I even talked to him on the phone, but he's a uh, San Francisco uh, literary character named Bucky Sinister. I don't know if that's a name that you. I freaking love Bucky. Edited your book? Yes. He's yes. a good friend of mine. I had no, I love, he, have you ever read Black Hole, his book? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, no, he's I, a genius. So, yeah, so he's my editor, right? And Amazing. so, and he did a great job and yeah. you know, we worked well together and um, the main marketing guy has like a long history in indie publishing and, you know, so he, 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 know, he, um, in fact, the only award I've ever received for writing was this thing called the Firecracker Alternative Book Award for the anthology. Like they, I won, I have it here on my wall because it's the only award I've ever won. It was like w winner of the Firecracker Alternative Book Award, the Neil Pollock Anthology of American Literature. And he used to be in charge of that. So, you know, in some ways it's like, a, in a lot of ways, it's a really good fit. Yeah. Um, you know, they're obviously like they're based in Las Vegas, which is not the center of the publishing industry. And they're small and independent and, but they have all the necessary relationships with Ingram and with the bookstores. And, you know, they hired an outside publicist who's been terrific and we're doing a bunch of virtual events. And, you know, given that it's happened during a pandemic and 
what do you want to call what's going on? I, uh, uh, some other, the other, whatever the situation is that we're dealing with right now. The worst you know, year uh, since 1968, I read this morning, but yeah. Or, you know, one of, one of the worst years in American history um, where, like, you know, we've been trapped in our houses and, and our cities are on fire. Given all that, it's been good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, okay, this has been awesome. Now I'm going to just say, if you had to give three tips, like what, as we wrap up, what are your top three tips for a successful book launch? Oh my God. Um, well, I would say managed expectations, right? Don't expect that you're going to become uh, rich and famous off of it. Uh, in Enjoy whatever interactions you have with whoever is enthusiastic about your work and uh, have fun because that at the end of the day, like what else do you want out of life, but to have meaningful interactions with people and to, and to enjoy yourself. Um, you, because you can't expect that it could happen, but you can't, you can't really expect that, that wealth and fame are coming. This is not, that's not what this is about. It's just about, you know, doing something you enjoy and hoping that it goes well. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Cause it's like, I, I had many that were, that were miserable experiences in terms of, okay. Had, I, well, yeah. I, I always had fun, even if like, cause I was all, you know, even if the sales weren't what they were supposed to be, there was always the, I, I'm an ex extrovert. So I enjoy making people laugh and like speaking in front of crowds and signing books and like going out for whatever afterwards, you know? So I always had a good time, even if like my, but, but what would get in my way were my expectations were too high. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, and I, I no guess now I have zero expectations and I think anyone who's launching a book this year or next year or whatever should have zero expectations because you know, I mean, the world is a mess and, um, you know, just, you know, you're just, I mean, whatever. The thing is your book could have bombed any year. So, <laughs> you know, I, 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 um, I published books during recessions. I published books during presidential election years. I published books during the height of an economic boom and they've all done about the same. <laughs> so, so why should, uh, why should a pandemic and a race war yield any different results for me. They're not going to. Well, and well, I, I mean, a pandemic, people, studies are showing people are reading more than ever. So sure. there is that too. I'm reading like maybe a book a week. And yeah. I like, and, I, and I'm a reader. So maybe that's more, that's about what I was reading. I don't know, maybe, but you know, but then, but then you add to the, then you add this other situation on top of it. And it's like, yeah, maybe people are reading Twitter more than ever. Yeah, I think I think when it was when the only crisis in town was the pandemic, reading was up. Now that the the world's burning, I don't fucking know if anyone's reading a book. Uh, don't know. I'm, I'm reading a book before I go to bed at night because it's you know I I like you know because it's something to do other than like read about the fact that Los Angeles is closed. Yeah. Well, Neil, this has been a delight. Let us tell people if they would like to find out more about you, is Neil Pollock the best place to go? Obviously, they need to get the book. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I don't. You know, I need. I better update my website because I haven't done that yet. There's nothing about my the book on my website yet. I think I need to hop on that this weekend. Um, 
I also, I want to plug Book and Film Globe because bookandfilmglobe.com because that's the site that I edit. I write there and I want, you know, I'm really determined to see it succeed. Um, and we've done fairly well even throughout the crisis. You know, I think we publish fun and interesting and relevant stuff every day. Uh, so go there and you can buy Pothead, my new book, any online platform you choose. It's available on and indie, at indie bookstores if they still exist and on Amazon, which definitely still exists. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, I don't know. There's, I'm not that hard to find. Except unless, um, in case, in case you missed all these years of Neil Pollock, let's spell the name because it's not obvious, not obvious to me. A-L-P-O-L-L-A-C-K. Excellent. Well, Neil, thank you so much for doing this. Yes, Anna, what a pleasure to see you, see you, actually see you on Zoom again and also like to hear your voice and, and uh, know that we're both still hanging in there. Let's hope we can do this 10 years from now too. Gen Xers still kicking around the publishing game. Like um, and, oh God, that's just, I, I, knew, I knew this would cheer me up. Okay, you guys, thank you for listening and, and please go get Neil's book, Pothead. And I will see you, talk to you next week. <laughs>